guys. Uh, so once again, church is not a building. Uh, it is not uh, an organization. It is a group of people. And uh, like we were sharing before, there can be lots of different churches because really just a church is really just kind of a fancy name for a club. And you could have a running club. Uh, you could have a geo international fancy pants club. Uh, you could have a food club. Um, but what our club is about is that we are a group of people who are trying to love Jesus, love each other, and love the world. And every time we get together, every service we have, every tool that we use is designed to help us move forward to take next steps in those all-important relationships. Uh, and especially this summer, we are focusing on the middle part of that, of how we can better love each other. And our key verse that we're going to be looking at all summer long is this a command that Jesus said, uh, is what Jesus said. He said, a new command I give you. I want you to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. So according to Jesus, one of the chief commands, one of the chief things that Jesus is telling us to do is that we are supposed to love other people and we are supposed to be loved by other people. So we're asking the question, is that true of you in your life? Do you have people in your life that you love deeply? And do you have people in your life that love you deeply? Do you have deep friendships that exist in your life. Uh, and we started talking about this a couple weeks ago, and then in our community groups this past week, uh, we dove a little bit deeper into it. And so in our community groups, we gave you three different categories that you could, that you could kind of place yourself in. You could put yourself in the lonely category, that the truth is, I just feel kind of lonely, isolated. Uh, you could put yourself in the kind of pseudo-relationship category. I just kind of I have relationships, but they're kind of shallow or you could put yourself in the deep relationships category. And I don't know how the conversations went in your groups. Um, I'm a part of two groups-ish, kind of three, um, but it's the nature of my job. Uh, so uh, in my two groups that I was a part of, we had one, count it one, person who said, you know what? Yeah, I would put myself in the deep. I have folks that I'm in deep relationships with. That is the key. I'm in regular proximity with. I mean, I'm, I'm living my life with these people. We are in and out of each other's lives. We're in and out of each other's homes. We talk on a regular basis. They know the good stuff in my life. They know the bad stuff in my life. They know the extraordinary stuff going on in my life. They know the ordinary stuff in my life. We're just kind of living our life. Then there was a, a lot of people who put themselves in the category of like, I have people in my life but, like, there's, like, some separation there. Like, at one, in college, in high school, we were really tight. But, like, high school was, like, some years ago. College was some years ago. So there's been some drill. Like, I still love them. They love me. But, like, it's been a week. It's been a month since we talked. Uh, there's a lot of folks who are kind of in that category. And then there's quite a few people who are in the category of, like, I have people in my life. We spend time together. We, we hang out at work, we have coffee together, sometimes we get together and go for a drink together, we have, you know, we, we have some front yard conversations, we're neighbors, but like, the truth is there's all kinds of stuff in their life I don't know, and there's definitely some stuff in my life I have never taken the time to share with them to really be that vulnerable. 
And then there was at least a few people who put themselves honestly in that category of, I just don't have many people. Uh, one person in, in one of our groups said the phrase, I just feel like I don't have many people that really listen to me. And some of us will put ourselves in that category of all the people we spend time with. We feel like there's no one who's really taking the time to listen to what's actually really going on. Uh, and in whatever camp you might be in, uh, you are not alone. Uh, and actually, if you're in the lonely category, um, the Surgeon General came out with a report uh, a couple months ago, some of you might have seen this, and he calls it our epidemic of loneliness, that the majority of folks, so over 60% of folks in our nation would put themselves in the category of feeling at least somewhat, if not extremely, lonely and isolated. And then there's a good portion of other people in our culture that would put what psychologist uh, M. Scott Peck uh, calls pseudo-relationships. Uh, and that's true of kind of our world. But what we want to particularly look at this summer is when we look at Christ Church Albany, when we look at what we call church family, is, is that even... True. Like, is this a group of people that is a family? Or are we just a group of people who, like, we happen to be in the same room with each other every once in a while? We happen to sing together every once in a while. Maybe even if you're in a community group, maybe we even show up in the same living room with each other every once in a while. But, like, to be honest, like, it just doesn't feel all of that deep. Are we actually a real church family? Uh, and we think that we are to some degree. But we also want to be honest and think we have multiple levels to grow. We have some steps that we could take as a community. So all summer long, we want to focus on relationships. So you should have one of these on your chair. And we have lots of tools and programs that we want you to prioritize this summer. And so here's uh, one of our key quotes for the summer. This is from uh, John Orberg. Uh, John Orberg says that many people lack great friends for the simple reason that they have never made pursuing community a high priority. Not poking too hard, they made work a high priority. They, they made grades maybe a high priority. They made finishing that last series on Netflix a high priority. But as far as making relationships a high priority, saying no to something so that I can say yes to relationships. And so what we want to do is we want to make relationships a priority this summer. And where we started uh, talking about two weeks ago is that starts on our calendars. Uh, that starts time-wise. Uh, so uh, on your sheet there, you can see we have a couple different categories of things that you can put on your calendar. Uh, we have large group activities. And by the nature of a large group activity, uh, we had to put a date. We had to sometimes get a permit so that we could hold it in a park, whatever. Uh, we had to organize volunteers. So some of those we had to put on a date. And so we are asking you to look at those dates and saying, can you prioritize being at as many of those as you can. And we understand family vacations. Uh, my wife is going to be traveling for work, so she's going to Some of you will have to miss some. We get it. What we're asking is can you prioritize trying to be maybe even moving a few things around where you could be at as many of those as you can. But then we've also said where relationship, because there's like a certain level of relationship we can have in this setting but the deepest level of relationships is actually in small groups of people. I mean, I can only know so many people so well, so I can know a few people 
really well, and we really want to key in on that. So we're asking you to find time where you could be with a small group of people. This could be three to four people. It might be as many as eight to ten. I don't think it could be much bigger than that, or else it's going to be pretty difficult. But can you find a few people that you can prioritize being together with five times this summer? Uh, And again, we call those community groups. Community groups can be different uh, ways. But uh, like in my two community groups, we've been in the process of trying to calendar those, and it's been zany. Uh, uh, one of my community groups that meets in my house, we have like, where we meet on like on a Wednesday, and then like we skip a few weeks, and we're meeting on like on a Saturday morning, then we skip a week, and then we have to meet on a Sunday night, and it's just all over the place, because that's how schedules are, but we want to take the time to prioritize being with each other, and we want to grow deeper in those relationships. And what I believe is that if all of us were to take seriously this idea of prioritizing relationships, if you were to participate in these tools this summer, you would find at the end of the summer that you have deeper relationships. Um, But here's what I want to talk about today. Uh, Go to that next one, AZ. And so it's when I focus on this, I loved you, uh, new command I gave you, love one another. It's kind of the, the fine print if you will, on this. Um, I put a little asterisk here. This is kind of like the the asterisk to it, because some of you already, as you're thinking about this, might be thinking, this sounds good, but this sounds like a little bit too good to be true. Like, you're telling me, okay, so I sign up, I get involved in these, and then just like automatically I'm going to have great relationships. Uh, This sounds like a little bit like you seem like, if you ever stay up late night and watch like an infomercial, and you know, they have like the, the thing at the beginning, you know, where it's like someone has a problem, it's usually in the kitchen, it's like, it's dim lighting and their hair looks bad, and, like that flower on them, like, oh, is this you in the kitchen? They put the red X on there, and they say, but then you could try this product, and then the lights get brighter, and then their hair looks beautiful, and then they have, you know, it's like, all you have to do is buy this knife, this pot, whatever, and then all of your problems are going to go away. And as you watch, you're like, Really? Like, is it really that good? Uh, Or in church world, what you might have called it is we call it the prosperity gospel. It's this idea of if I do this and I do this, then it's automatically going to equal this huge amount of success over here. And some of you have lived enough life already. You're like, I don't know if just engaging in those things is really going to be obviously that automatic. Because here's a few things that you know. Here's some things that you've lived through. It's one, just going to a church service doesn't mean that you're going to automatically have friends. But it's actually very possible. Some of you experience this. You can come in, you can sit, you can leave. You're like, I don't know anybody any better. Or maybe even like I had a, I had a conversation over coffee, and it's like, I mean, it's fine, but it's like, it feels like a, that's a big gap between what I experienced today and deep actual relationships. And then some of you, if you've taken the risk to be a part of a community group, maybe if you've been a part of a community group for a long time, you know, like sometimes community groups can be like a little bit like funny too. Like you get involved in a community group and there's someone who like talks way too much and that can kind of be annoying. Uh, Or maybe there's someone in the community group and they don't talk nearly enough and you're like, man, I just wish like they would like pipe up every once in a while or I wish they would talk louder. Uh, Or maybe there's someone in their group who always talks with food in their mouth and you're like, oh, why do they? It's possible to have people that you're in groups with and you're like, there's actually some things about them that are a little bit annoying, if I'm honest. Uh, Or... 
maybe uh, this happens a lot in groups. Everyone's in there and they're sharing a little bit, and you know, and sometimes we'll ask for prayer requests, like, is there anything I can pray for you for? And people are like testing the waters, and they're like, oh, you can like pray for my sick uncle, and you know, that's a little serious, or you know, hey, I got this thing at work. And then someone will like risk and actually be pretty vulnerable, and they'll like share like something that's like really actual deep in their life. And they're like, here's what's going on. And everyone's like, ooh, like, good luck with that. Uh, uh, or maybe they share something like, here's this thing going on. Like, I could actually use some help. Uh, I need some money. Uh, I, I have this thing going on in my house. I could use someone to help me. And you're like, what? am I supposed to help with that? Or like, is that like, are we supposed to actually like be involved in each other's life? How deep is this actually supposed to go? And you've experienced that. Groups can be awkward. People can be messy. Vulnerability is risky. We are selfish. I don't want to give up my own time for other people. Relationships are hard. And it's no wonder that it's so easy for so many of us to settle for pseudo-community for shallow relationships. It's so easy to drift back into loneliness because to actually take the time and the priorities and all the messiness that it takes sometimes, reorganizing your schedule that it takes to build deep relationships, even though I think we all crave deep community, sometimes it's easier just to like, I'm just going to bury myself in work. I'm just going to watch more TV. I'm just going to... I, I want really, it's just too hard. Uh, and so I want to talk about that a little bit today. And the first thing I want to talk about is that if you feel like that relationships are hard or if relationships have been difficult for you to make, especially relationships in church, I want you to know that you're not alone. Uh, I think sometimes there can be a, a, an idea in church that like for most people, they are, really have this figured out. Uh, and we're good at this at church because people come in, and you guys all look good whenever you come in at church, and it's kind of got their life together. Uh, and so you kind of like assume, like, I bet everyone just has, like, their life pretty figured out. And there could even be a thought that I bet everyone else, if we're talking about relationships, like, I feel a little alone. I feel like, I bet everyone else in here has great friendships, and I'm, I'm the weird outlier. Uh, or even, but yeah, my community group can feel a little bit weird, but like I bet everyone else's community group is just like, it's full of people that they just love. They're not annoying. It's not messy. And that is not true at all. All relationships are messy. And this has always been the case. Uh, and this is especially true in the early church. Uh, so uh, what we do oftentimes is we think of the early church, and we talk about this, that in, right after Jesus died and then he rose, there can be kind of this like bliss of like, they just... Everything was easy for them. Uh, and I get that because we read verses like this. This is from Acts chapter 2, talking about the early church. It says that they, the early church, like a couple thousand people, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Like, well, of course, they're just like around, they're living in like, Woodstock, like they're like they're all like singing kumbaya all the time. Like, of course, relationships were easy for them, but that's the early church. I promise you, 
was just as messy, if not more messy, than our current community. Uh, so I just want to look at one of those early churches. Uh, so this was a church in a town called uh, Corinth. So if you got on a plane today, you could fly to the Middle East. Um, Asa was just like right over by Corinth. Did you go to Corinth, Asa? He's not looking at me. Uh, he was just over there. Uh, but you could go there, you could fly there, you could see the ruins of this city. 2,000 years ago, there was a group of people who were part of a club trying to love Jesus, love each other, and love the world. They were called the Church of Corinth. Uh, and a guy named Paul wrote a letter to them. And in the letter, Paul is trying to address some of the issues, some of the messiness that was going on in this early church of Corinth. And here's just some of the issues that were going on. Uh, they were pretty clicky. They had different kind of factions in the church. Uh, and especially, they all had like kind of their own captain. And so some people like, we really like this leader. Some people like another leader. And it's really kind of clicky. Uh, they had different views of what sexual morality is. That's still a big one today, isn't it? I bet if we were to go around, uh, it's June's Pride Month. If we were to go around and like everyone give their views on like what's right and what's not right sexually, I bet we might have some disagreement. Uh, uh, they were suing each other. Anybody suing each other here today? Suing someone else in here? Okay, good. All right, Mari, watch out for that. Uh, there was more disagreements about sex, marriage, divorce, and circumcision. Anyone having a circumcision discussion? Um, there was uh, different views on which parts of the Bible should be followed, uh, especially as uh, had to do with food and sacrifice to idols. So some people are like, hey, this thing's said in the Old Testament, and so if the Bible said it, we got to do it. And other people are like, eh, it's kind of a new day, Jesus here. So there's more freedom, different ways of how you should interpret the Bible. Still probably a discussion today. Uh, different views on gender roles. Uh, uh, what can men do? What should women do? Uh, there was wealth inequality. Uh, there was people that were getting drunk and overeating at church events. I'm sure that's common in many of your uh, community groups. Uh, there was arrogance about gifts and talents. Uh, some people thought, you know, I'm in the band, so I'm better. No, I'm in the community group. I'm better. Uh, they were excluding outsiders. Uh, people were using church, uh, church service as a place of self-promotion, and so they were really building themselves up because of the position they had in church. Uh, and there was doubts about the resurrection of Jesus. There's people who were sitting in their church, maybe like some people who are sitting in this building today, like, I, I kind of have doubts about the whole stinking thing. And to this, like, crazy group of people with all these disagreements, here's what the Apostle Paul uh, said to them. He said, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. You're clicky. You have different views of morality, even different views of how we should interpret the Bible. Like, I mean, it, power, so I pray that you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. I was like, how is that going to happen? How is a group as fractured as this group? Maybe it feels like as fractured as a group in our world could be. How could they ever have that kind of unity? And here's Paul's big answer. So he kind of lays out all these divisions in the book. And then here's this big answer of how this group could do that. And it's just one word, love. Here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to love one another. And you're like, okay, well, that's kind of the same thing again, John. It's like, that, that's the infomercial thing. That's like the, it, too good to be true. Like, okay, we all are great friends now. Let's all just love each other and then it will work out. But Paul's thought was deeper than that. Because when Paul said the word love, 
He wasn't thinking of just like a random emotion of like, oh, I'm going to like, I like you a little bit. I'm going to like pat you on the back every once in a while. I might throw you a bone of encouragement every once in a while. He might not have been talking, and I don't know all of your stories. Whatever love you experienced from your mom or dad growing up, good or bad, the kind of love you experienced with your friends, with the folks in your fraternity, sorority, the folks that you're in clubs with, I think what Paul's talking about is there's some good parts of all those kind of love that I think we've experienced, an even deeper kind of love. Um, Before I read what Paul's going to say about love, uh, here's what a guy named N.T. Wright uh, said about this kind of love that Paul is about to write about. Uh, He says that in chapter 13, Paul presents the life, this is a way of living, which will bring the right sort of order to the chaos of faction fighting and spiritual jealousy within the church. What was going on there? This life is within reach of every one of us because it is the life of Jesus, the life inspired by the Spirit. What Paul's going to say is that the love that I am talking about has the ability to actually bring people together and create completely new and radical types of relationships. Because this isn't the kind of love that maybe your mom or dad loved you with or a friend, as good as that might have been. This is the kind of love of Jesus. And then Paul goes on to explain what the love of Jesus looks like. Some of you, if you've ever been to a wedding, you might have heard this before. So, uh, Sorry, go on to the next one, Azen. There it is. The love is patience. That's the kind of love I'm talking about. This is, what, this is how Jesus loves. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. There's a lot of self-seeking going on in there, but real love, Jesus' love. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Yeah, you annoyed me. I don't even remember that. Uh, One more. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Paul's saying, if you guys had this kind of love for each other, if you could embed this kind of love in a way of life, this is the way you live every day of your life, this has a chance to actually change everything, especially as it has to do with your relationships. Uh, here's Paul's big idea. Here's our big idea for the summer, is we want you to love each other. Uh, go to the next one, AZ. But I want you to love, sorry, go back one. A new command I give you, I want you to love one another. We want all of us this summer to prioritize through showing up, through being a part of large group activities, by being a part of small group gatherings, prioritize loving one another. But it's not just another kind of love that maybe you've experienced in other places in your life. We're talking about a new kind of love. Because this is a love that as I have loved you, that's the way I want you to love other people. As Jesus loves, we want to love in that same way. If you were to start loving the other people in this room in a Jesus sort of way, if you were to start to love your family 
your neighbors, if you were to start to love the people in your community group in the Jesus kind of way, that would create a whole nother level of relationships. And so here's the way in which we're going to focus on that. And I think this is the key, really, to everything else we're going to do this summer. Uh, again, on your uh, chairs, there should be this uh, reading list. It's summer at CCA, and it has a whole bunch of verses in there. So over the course of the summer, uh, what, we want to ask the question, if we want to love other people like Jesus loves, we have to ask the question, how did Jesus love people? How did Jesus love people that were annoying? How did Jesus love people that didn't want anything to do with him? How did Jesus love people when there was disagreement? How did Jesus love real flesh and blood people? Not like in a theory. How did Jesus love people? So what we want to encourage you to do is take time every single day this summer. This could be five minutes. This could be ten minutes. Wake up early in the morning. Do it over your lunch break. Listen to it on the app on your phone while you're driving, while you're running. People like to cook while you're cooking. Take a few minutes every single day and look at one, I think there's one where there's two, but most of them, one chapter of one of the Gospels that tells us about what Jesus did. And as you do that, I want you to think about two different questions that we're going to share with each other when we get together. So here's the two questions that we want you to read, is the lens we want you to read these passages through. Is what are you learning about how Jesus loved others? Read a chapter and think... How is it that Jesus loved people? How did Jesus, how did he talk about it? How did he demonstrate loving other people? And then, how can you love white Jesus? How, how did Jesus love in that, what I just read? And how can I apply that? How can I actually try to live that out today? And here's what I know, is that if you start spending more time around Jesus, you start spending more time in relationship with Jesus, then Jesus will rub off on you. That's what happens when you spend a lot of time around someone. And the more you learn from someone, the more you can start to implement the way in which they live. And the key to make these relationships work this summer will be not just showing up, although showing up will be a part of it. Won't just be watching the videos and then talking about it within your group. But the more that you can center on focusing on who Jesus was and how he lived and actually try to live that out, that's going to be the game changer that actually transforms us from a group where we're family-ish, some pieces of church family and love, to deep, actual relationships. Uh, and then finally, here's one of the best examples, I think, of what this looks like. Uh, and this isn't from the Bible. This is from another great book, though, uh, called The Big Book of AA. Some of you uh, maybe have been a part of AA before. But I think it's a great example of what we want to be as church family. Uh, so here's what uh, The Big Book of AA says. It says, we are people who normally would not mix. I think church should be that way. A group of people, it's like, this isn't like, we're just all people who love cooking. So we, we're all like, we would not, there should be this like, boy, there's like, Things we have in common, but there's a lot that, like, politically, where we live, our wealth, there's a lot that could divide us. But there exists among us a fellowship, a friendliness, an understanding which is indescribably wonderful. We are like passengers of a great liner the moment after a rescue from shipwreck when camaraderie and joyousness and democracy pervade the vessel from steerage to captain's table. 
Unlike the feelings of the ship's passengers, however, our joy in escape from disaster does not subside as we go our individual ways. The feeling of having shared in a common peril is one element in the powerful cement which binds us. But that in itself would never have held us together as now we are joined. And here's the key. Uh, oh, one more. The tremendous uh, fact of every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. And that's what we want to do this summer and all the time, but it's a common solution. That if we feel like that the way in which we've been living our life has somehow not created the deep relationships that we so badly crave, if you feel like I'm a little bit in the camp or I feel like there's people... I need more people who, I need people who listen to me. I need to live life with a group of people who really are supporting me. And if the way in which you're living has not been working and not producing those results, then do you know what we need? We need a different solution. And Jesus is offering us a new way to live. And we have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly, harmonious action. One more. Oh, I think that's it. And that's what we want to do this summer. Is we want to focus on that joint solution together, which is the love of Jesus that he has for us, and that as we learn to live it out, that it will change all of us. Uh, so let me pray, and then we're going to go into a time of communion where we uh, even deeper kind of focus on that love of Jesus. So let me pray. Uh, Jesus, as we embark on this journey this summer, our goal and focus is deep and better relationships. We want to feel like we have brothers and sisters that are locking arm in arm with us in this life. We want to feel deep in our bones that we are never alone. And that even the stuff deep, dark inside that we feel like maybe we can't share with anybody, that there's folks in our lives that we can be deep enough that we can share that with. And people that are annoying, and people that it would be, there's so many reasons to break relationships. There's so many times where like it just gets a little bit tedious, and sometimes I would rather just be alone or even focus on shallow relationships because just actually going to deep sections with other people is hard. God, help us to follow you. Help us to love other people the way in which you loved people, the way in which you loved us. Help us to be people. Transform us from the inside out so that we just are kind. We are patient. We help us to embrace the solution that you have given us, which is a way of life, a way of love, a way of living each day with you and with others. Amen.